Welcome to another episode of Behind the Sash. I'm Elise Hudson, the 2017 and 2015 Newcastle Regional Showgirl. The Land Sydney Showgirl competition aims to find a young woman to act as an ambassador for rural New South Wales, with a role involving many official and informal duties, both at the Sydney Royal Easter Show and during her travels interstate and overseas. For over 50 years, young women across the state have competed for this prestigious role. But the showgirl competition is not a beauty pageant. Behind the pearls, makeup, pomp and ceremony are passionate young women with drive to benefit their local communities and rural New South Wales as a whole. This week, I'm joined by Alana Black, who is the 2017 Rydal Showgirl. Hi Alana, welcome to Behind the Sash. Thanks so much for coming on. No, thanks for having me, Elise. Appreciate it. You're from Rydal. Can you tell us a little bit about the town and your connection to it? Uh, Rydal is a beautiful town that sits atop the Great Dividing Range in uh, central western New South Wales. So it's about two and a half, three hours from Sydney. And um, I'm I'm the fourth generation of my family to live in Rydal. So it holds a really special place in my heart. It's a place of rolling hills and bitter, bitter winters and daffodil dotted fields. So it's a pretty beautiful place and I was pretty lucky to grow up there. You said you were a fourth generation to grow up in the town. Were you in the town as a townie or are you off property? No, so um, the actual village itself has about 70 people in it. And I live in the village itself and then my family um, have grown, like my my other siblings and family live live around the village as well. So we're technically, I guess, a townie, but um, a village of 70 people doesn't constitute much of a town, I don't think, but uh, it's still a pretty awesome place to live. Convince me then to come to Rydal Show. Oh, Rydal Show. It's the biggest little show in the West. Um, and what more could you want, really? You've got you've got your horse show, you've got your jams, you've got your scones, uh, you've got your wool classing. What more could you want in a small show? But really, it's pretty temperamental with the weather at Rydal Show. It's either absolutely bucketing down with rain, which is what we would love right now, um, or it's so dry and hot that... Um, it's, it's a bit concerning, but it's it's one of the best shows out there, especially in terms of the horse ring. So I'm normally um, a steward in the horse ring, and they were quite upset and not impressed when I decided to enter um, Showgirl and I couldn't couldn't volunteer in the ring. So I've been volunteering in the with the show, I think, since I was about five years old. Not that I was probably much of a volunteer at five, but I've definitely been involved with the show since, since then, and it's a pretty fantastic show to be a part of. It's like a big... Big family and big community, and I guess that's what um, regional shows are all about. They're basically the lifeblood of, of our communities out in the regions. It's a time for people to get together, and that's what I love about our show. There are a few regional and rural towns that are having a bit of trouble getting a committee up to run their shows. Given that Rydal is such a small village, why do you think your show has been so successful with getting people to help run it? I'm not too sure, actually. I think um, there's a great culture of... I guess in, um, there's a fantastic culture of inclusiveness within um, those who live in the town itself and those who live um, outside the town and on properties. Um, and I guess they've just got a good system running at the moment as well. But um, what Rydal has been doing, uh, well, that, what I've noticed is that they're definitely planning for the future in terms of getting their youth involved. Um, we have a fantastic youth committee who plan their own gymkhana and, and get involved as well in, in the show aspect. So I think... Um, there's definitely um, future for the Rydal show. It's not going to die out, and I think that's a problem that many regional shows have found, um, probably in smaller and more remote communities 
than Rydal. And I think I read recently that one small show down, I think, past the Southern Highlands, unfortunately had to cancel their show because they didn't have the volunteers or the committee to drive it. Um, but Rydal's been really lucky that, um, we're, you know, we're a small community but with a big heart and we really get behind um, our show because it brings so much into our community. So we're really lucky like that. I want to take you back to 2013, which was the first year you entered the Rydal Showgirl competition. Why did you enter the competition that year? Look, I don't think I entered it for the right reasons that year. And I, I was talking to the Showgirl coordinator. I was young in terms of Showgirl, I think. You know, I think with Showgirl, um, I would always encourage people to wait until you're a bit older. I guess Showgirl, when uh, at that age, you know, you see it as a as a rite of passage, especially growing up in the community, being, you know, being Rydal Showgirl, that's just what people want. Um and I didn't do it for the, I don't think I did it for the right reasons. And a fantastic girl who ended up winning it, Pip, who's a great friend of mine, um, she deservedly won it. But it was such a great experience. And then it prepared me all the more for, for the second time around. And I think I realised why I wanted to do it the second time around. Um, it was more to be, I guess, when you do it the second time around, I realised it's more about the community. It's being more about an advocate of the community and for regional women. So I, I don't think I did it for the right reasons in the first year, but I'm really glad I still did it anyway, and it gave me some great experience to, to do it all again. And I got to do it with one of my best friends, Bettina, so that was a moment or a day that we definitely treasured spending together, which was fantastic. So as you mentioned, you entered again, obviously, in 2017. Why wait four years, and what do you think is the big difference between 2013 Alana Black and 2017 version? Uh, the reason I waited four years, I think, um, I, I don't, I don't know if I was going to enter again. And then I think you would know all showgirl coordinators do kind of come back around and ask you when you're going to go in again. And um, I guess I only had one more year left uh, until I wouldn't be eligible. Uh, and Margie, the showgirl coordinator, just said she approached me in November or December. I think I was chatting to her about it. She said, just have a think about it. Um, if it's the right time to go around again, if you want to do it again, um, just let me know. So I had to think about it. And I definitely, I, I guess I came to, to think about why I want to be an advocate for Rydal. And it just came back to how much I love my community and how much I want to represent my community instead of myself, I think, for the first time around could have been for more selfish um, reasons. So I think the difference between 2013 Alana and 2017 Alana is I grew up a lot um, from when I was 19 to when I was 23. I think that's there's huge learning years. You know, I graduated university. Um, I had my first job uh, and, and things like that. And I moved away actually from Rydal for quite a bit. I moved to the city. So um, I did 18 months in Sydney and I, I really found it hard to adjust and I think that really made me realise how much um, my community shaped me and then that's why I ran for the right reasons in, in 2017. So as we mentioned in 2013, it was won by uh, Pippa Childs. Yes. She went on to represent Zone 5 at the Land Sydney Royal Showgirl Competition. Yeah. Did Pippa provide you with any inspiration? Um, actually, I got to know Pip a lot more. It was funny. I moved down to Wagga for about 18 months with work and Pip was also down there. So we reconnected back in Wagga and it was really fantastic. I think um, getting to know Pip better in, in a friendship sense other than just through Showgirl and um, hearing what opportunities um, Showgirl opened for her and what she could do for Rydal 
I guess was somewhat of an inspiration, but I don't think the main motivator um, behind running again. It's pretty obvious right all punches above its weight in regards to Showgirl because you were presented with your sash by Isabel Hawken, who was the 2016 yeah. Rydal Showgirl, and she'd gone on to finish second runner-up in the final of the Land Showgirl competition. Has Izzy yeah. offered any advice? Um, Izzy is possibly one of the most delightful people I've ever met, and so is her now fiancé, um, Gavin. And um, I just know that during during my, I guess, tenure as Showgirl, um, she's going to be a huge help. I'm actually seeing her this weekend. Rydal's having a Showgirl high tea. So for, I guess, potential entrance into the 2018 uh, Showgirl competition for Rydal, this is an opportunity for them to get to hear from um, myself and Izzy about the experience. And I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to hearing from Izzy this weekend. She's going to give the, I guess, um, main address. And I'm looking forward to hearing how this whole process has worked out for her. And I spoke to her briefly after um, Showgirl Zones and just congratulated her, but it's very well deserved. Like you've only got to hear Izzy speak about regional Australia and everything that she's doing in terms of nursing to try and get into with the uh, Royal Flying Doctors Service that it's, it's very well deserved. Tell us about the Showgirl Path. Showgirl Path is a fantastic initiative. So like I said, Rydal's really about community and they love... We love the beautification of our village. So I guess one of the biggest things Rydal does each year is this little festival called Daffodils at Rydal. So um, there's hundreds of thousands of daffodils planted and they bloom over the first couple of weekends in September. And we hold this festival to raise money for local charities in the area. And I guess um, I'm not too sure how the path came about, but I think it just came as a way of acknowledging um, the showgirls and, and what they do contribute to the community and um, it was fantastic to have the path up and finished for uh, Daffodils at Rydal and it was a really special day my brother actually got to lay my um, stone. So each showgirl, I think going back to 1967, though that might not be the correct year, um, has their own brick in a path with the year in which they, they won, which is um, I think a really fantastic way to cement um, regional women and, and what they do for small communities such as Rydal. You have over 12 months between your local show and the Zone 5 final. What are you doing in preparation to keep motivated and focused heading up to Zone? Um, I think the main thing is I'm, I guess one of the main, uh, I guess what I'm preparing, what will most prepare me uh, will be the Dubbo weekend, which I'm really looking forward to, which is in November for me. And I guess all you can do to prepare is kind of keep up to date with news and current affairs, um, especially in regional Australia. So I guess that's the main thing that I'm doing to prepare. But I'm kind of just trying to be relaxed about it. I'm sure that if I be myself and um, try and articulate everything I want to say about my region and and regional and rural Australia, um, I'm sure it'll all go fine. And it's just going to be a fantastic learning experience, nonetheless, whether win or lose. As part of your showgirl duties, uh, you gave an address at the Rydal Anzac Day service. Explain to us why this service is so special to you, and can you give us a summary of what you spoke about? Uh, the Anzac Day. Anzac Day is a really, really special day in my family, um, especially in Rydal. My dad has done the service in Rydal ever since um, we moved back. So my dad was an army man. Uh, he's been in the army for about 25 years, and he's the only Scot in Rydal, which he's very proud about. So my dad migrated to Australia from Scotland um, so he's got a very broad accent and he um, 
served in the Australian Army and he's actually a return serviceman. So um, during the best day of his life, which was my birth, he was actually overseas in Somalia with the UN in their peacekeeping, with their peacekeeping troops that they sent over there during the Somalia Civil War in, in the 1990s. And my dad was away for, for the greatest days of his life, which was my birth. So it was a really, really proud moment for me to get to stand beside my dad while he conducted the service and to give the major address. And I guess um, for my service, I really wanted to keep it quite quite local. Um, it was really important for me to highlight the fact that our farmers, a, a lot of the stories that are told about Anzac Day, you know, they do have an urban focus. And our, our farmers went off to war as well, and they were it was it was tough for our communities. I can only imagine that there was a different level of resilience that had to happen, and you know the women had to learn new trades to keep our communities going while the men were off overseas. And um, Rydal is quite not too far away from Lithgow, which um, obviously built the guns and constructed the guns that were sent off overseas. So the women had to learn new trades and and keep our communities going as well as the men who couldn't be sent off to war for either illness or injury or other reasons. Um, like my grandfather, he had meningitis, so he couldn't um, contribute to the war effort in a physical sense um, by going overseas. He, he sure sheep uh, for the wool for the, for the soldiers' uniforms. So I wanted to keep it um, really local, so I actually focused on the journey of one of um, our community members who tragically died um, in Bretonneau uh, in France and his body still lays, uh, sorry, still lies in Somme, um, but he's commemorated on both of our um, memorial statues as well as in our churches. So uh, I wanted to follow their journeys and kind of just bring it back to a, a home front because many of the ancestors that served in World War One and World War Two are still in Rydal today, my family um, and a few other families that have been there for generations. So it was really great to kind of bring it back to Rydal and to also, I guess, stand beside my dad. What is Cantu and what's your involvement with it? Um, Cantu is a really fantastic not-for-profit um, cancer research charity. So I work for Cantu. I do um, communications and marketing. And what Cantu does is they match fitness incentives um, with fundraising. So currently um, one in two men and one in three women will contract cancer in their lifetime. And one in three cancers are lifestyle related. So um, what we're trying to do, I guess, with Cantu is reduce people's risk of cancer um, and helping them attain goals that they never thought possible, such as running a half marathon, marathon, um, swimming an ocean swim or doing a triathlon and then raising money for cancer research. So Cantu's only been around since 2005, but it's been – um, it's been able to raise over $18.5 million for early career cancer researchers. Um, and I'm really, really proud to be part of that organisation and to help drive it. And as you know, in the regions, it's so hard for people to access cancer services and, you know, a diagnosis of cancer if you live regionally. What does that mean for your family? What does that mean for those who have to drive hundreds of kilometres to get treatment? Um, and that's what I'm really proud of Cantu. They also have a regional focus. They have a Beyond program, which allows people to train um, remotely and regionally for events, but also raise money for cancer research. So it's a really great little, it's a little charity, but it does a lot. It has, it has a huge impact on um, cancer research and cancer outcomes in Australia. So it's a really fantastic place to work. If you don't mind me asking, is there a particular reason why you ended up with Cantu or was it just dumb luck? 
Um, I actually, I've done a few programs with Cantu. Actually, I, I wasn't a runner at all. Um, I'd never done any kind of endurance event. And a friend of mine said, Blackmore's half marathon's coming up. Um, let's train for it. And uh, I was very skeptical at first. And I can tell you what, Elise, I do not look like one of those graceful runners at all. I'm sure you've seen um, Kath and Kel from Kath and Kim, and they've got that shuffle. That is me to a T. And I tell you what, it's not pretty, but it gets you from the start line to the finish line. And I ended up doing um, a couple of programs with them. I was part of their inaugural Wagga pod when I did the um, when I was living in Wagga Wagga. And I kind of it kind of just went from there. It was just, you know, the right place, the right organization at the right time. So um, I've been there, yeah, for a while now and I'm loving it. You are currently studying a Master's of Communications at Charles Sturt University, Bathurst, having completed your Bachelor's Degree in Communications Public Relations. Why did you choose to follow that line of study? Um, I think you can already guess that I'm pretty good at chewing the fat. Um, I can talk quite a bit. Um, actually, to be honest, I had no idea what I wanted to do when I left high school. And I said to my older sister, um, what should I do? What university um, subjects should I apply for? And she kind of just had a look through, um, she knows me so well, you know, just with English, I'm no good at maths, I'm no good at science, so that leaves anything scientific off um, the list. I knew I wanted to go to university and I was pretty creative in terms of writing and I do love to write. So she basically signed me up for, um, put my preferences down in terms of degrees and I was offered um, public relations and journalism and I ended up taking um, public relations and it was fantastic. It was the best thing I've ever done. Um, I, I lived on campus for university in Bathurst, even though I could have easily commuted. But um, I've some of my best friends I've met from university, and it really teaches you to grow up uh, in terms of uh, organising your life and just trying to be an adult. It, it sets you up, and I can tell you what, there's so many things you can eat with a can of tomatoes. Um, you'd be so surprised about how much a can of tomatoes can get you through uh, in terms of university, but everyone's in it together, living poor, the poor university life, but it was fantastic. And um, I can't say, I can't speak more highly of the lecturers at Charles Sturt University. They're really about hands-on experience and getting people um, doing, instead of, I guess, putting their heads in the books, they want you to get in there and do um, as much as you can. So. I couldn't think of any way better to study for my master's, so I went back. We all have this image in our head of the stereotypical showgirl and what she's like. What is the least stereotypically showgirl thing about you? Um, the least stereotypical showgirl thing about me is probably something I shouldn't admit to on a podcast is that I really enjoy rap music, um, <laughs> which is probably the most unstereotypical Thing a showgirl would like um, but I really love some of the poetry in it um, it's, it can be quite quite fantastic um, and I've been to a couple of rap concerts but I've been sitting right up in the nosebleed sections um, but I really do enjoy <laughs> rap music I can tell you what people really um, I've been on a few road trips I love a good road trip and and like it'll go from country music to like indie to something and then it would just be this incredible crazy rap music that comes on and everyone's always I don't I wouldn't say pleasantly surprised but surprised nonetheless what are you passionate about something I'm really passionate about at the moment um that's kind of driving started off um from my master's and something I've kind of been researching into and been developing project on is um succession on family farms um it's something that I've just 
come to realize I'm really, really passionate about. And it all started off um, asking my mum why we weren't on the farm anymore. So we still live in the same area and we have for generations. And um, our cousin, well, my mother's cousin, my second cousin, Colin, still owned the original farm. And I just said to mum, like, why, why didn't we, why aren't we on the farm still? What happened there? And uh, my mum said, well, your grandfather was actually written out of the will. So my grandfather was one of nine children, um, three, there was three boys and six girls. And, um, yeah, she said he was, he was written out of the will, didn't know, wasn't told. And obviously when his father died, he was incredibly hurt to find this out. You know, country people have such a connection with the land, especially when you grow up on it and, you know, you farm it. Um, it's, it's just, I guess, something that's in our, in our lifeblood. And um, I decided to sit down with my cousin and just talk to him about it. And um, then when I started researching into it a bit more, I just started to realise that succession is actually a really prevalent issue in in regional Australia um, in terms of farming being lost, um, family units breaking down from lack of communication and um, issues like that, which, you know, um, drought and floods are a bad as like succession is just as bad for a farm bad succession planning is just as bad for a farm as a drought or, or flood um and i've been doing research you know multi-generational farms just crumbling from the lack of communication structures or um poor succession planning and i think it's a real issue that uh, is facing regional australia so i've just been i guess that's what i'm passionate about in terms of um lately and i've been working on a project um that i've submitted to Haywire Trailblazers. So, um, um, yeah, that's something I'm really passionate about at the moment. Where do you see yourself in five years? That is a really tough question. Um, it changes all the time uh, in terms of where my career projection is. I, I don't know. Uh, I really don't know. Every year is so different for me at the moment. Um, what I would love is to take this project that I just told you about, Farming Succession, and really get it. Um, running on the ground in terms of starting a positive communication and um, creating this positive change in, in multi-generational farming families. And then, I mean, I've got a British passport. My sister live and lives and works overseas, so I could also see myself working overseas for a couple of years. So I'm, I really don't know. And then I guess another dream would to be would be to create policy and, and um, drive agricultural innovation for a large agricultural business in the country and show that, you know, you can have a career outside of the city. So I don't know, maybe watch this space. Can you say that? <laughs> Thanks so much, Alana, for coming on Behind the Sash and sharing a little bit about who you are. Thanks so much, Elise. I really appreciate it.